everybody. Thanks so much for joining us today. I hope the content encourages you and helps you build your faith. Now enjoy the message. Uh, hey, I want you to know this is, this is kind of crazy and kind of cool at the same time. Um, I radically changed my message yesterday morning from what I believed God wanted us to talk about all week long to yesterday morning uh, completely changed the thing around. And I want to tell you why. There are two reasons why I think God wanted me to change it. One um, was because I didn't want to. And usually when I don't want to do something, that's the Lord when he prompts my heart to do it. And I'm like, oh, Lord, I don't really want to do that. That's a clear indication that I probably should do it, right? That the Lord is speaking to me. The second one uh, was my wife. She actually told me to. So when you got Jesus and you got your wife telling you you need to do something, it's like you, you just you have to do it, right? You can see her. She's like, Jesus and me, Jesus and me tell you what to do the rest of your life, right? Like, you got to figure it out. But it, it happened, and, and so I kind of want to welcome you into it and let you know kind of how we landed here because I think it's important uh, for you to know. My wife and I, so this whole week I spent in a doctoral cohort working on a degree. So those of you that are in blended and online learning, I feel you right now. I spent probably 50 hours on Zoom uh, all week long. You talk about mind-numbing. By Friday, I was like, didn't even know my own name. I was just, I was trying to figure out how you guys act like you're on there. You screenshot something or you put a picture up or something, but you're not really there. Because I know some of you, and I know you've got that figured out. I couldn't get it. I was there the whole time. And while I was there, uh, so Friday, fast forward to Friday, Anna said, hey, let's, let's go to a nice lunch. Let's enjoy a lunch and a date together. So we went on a date. We went to Chili's because Chili's chips and salsa. Yeah, I mean, come on. Chili's chips and salsa, right? If you haven't, you should. So we're at Chili's and we're eating bottomless chips and salsa talking. And she said to me, she said, how, how was the cohort? Uh, what did God speak to you about? And I said, man, it was great. Uh, everyone was brilliant. Everything was wonderful. But there was this one thing that God spoke to me about uh, that I haven't been able to shake. I've been thinking about it all day, uh, kept me up at night, been praying about it, thinking through it. And she said, what was it? And so I'm going to quote uh, Dr. Hemby, who is a brilliant PhD with a pastor's heart, academic. He's a great man. He loves the Lord. He's a brilliant teacher. And he said something that I am telling you, uh, and I, I totally agree with him now, but when he said it, the Lord touched my heart so deeply. I'm going to say it to you, and it has to do with the season that we're walking through. So Dr. Hemby said, as, as, I, as the more I walk through, pray, and look at this pandemic, this coronavirus pandemic that we're going through, he said, I am absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt convinced. And here's what he said, quote him, he said, I believe God in his grace and mercy has allowed us to go through this pandemic to keep us from what was coming next. I'm going to say that to you again because that's a really heavy statement. He said, I believe God in his grace and his mercy has allowed us to go through this pandemic to keep us from what could be coming next. 
So Ann and I are sitting there, and we're back to Chili's lunch, right? And we're talking about this. And, and I, I shared that with her, and she was like, wow. And so we started talking about the children of Israel and when they would rebel, and God would send plague after plague after plague, and he would send destruction, and he would send captivity, and he would send loss of battles, and he would send crumbling of kingdoms. And he did all of those things to draw his people back to him. His desire was to have them come back to him. And then we started talking about our own lives. And we're like, man, I can see now looking at my past how God has led me through something or allowed me to experience something, be it a hurt, be it a sin exposed, or be it shame or something like that, how he has allowed me to go through it to keep me from what was coming next if I didn't stop. So then, Saturday morning, we, we talk about all of that. Actually, Friday night, I'm, I'm laying in bed, and I told her, I said, hey, uh, tomorrow I need a lot of extra time. i got to get my sermon outlined to where I feel really good about it. And she said, well, what do you mean? And I said, i, I got to get my, my outline dialed in. It's been a crazy, busy week. And she said, no, your sermon is what we talked about at lunch today. Uh, and I literally, I said to her, that's, that's pretty heavy. I don't know if I'm, I'm ready to go there. Is the 11 o'clock ready for something heavy? And so then I said, okay, thanks, babe, you know, appreciate your, your feedback. And I went to sleep, and I woke up early Saturday morning to meet with the Lord, and it just so happened I'm in two reading plans. I'm on the daily presence plan, and then I'm on this plan that I started at the beginning of the year, and lo and behold, the Lord has me in Ezekiel 11 through 14. And so I read Ezekiel 11 through 14, and it was halfway through, I said, okay, Lord, you spoke to me through my wife, and you're speaking to me now. I know where we need to go. So here's what I want to do. I want to build you a framework for Dr. Hemby's quote. I want to build you a, a framework for it so you can see it, and then I want to walk you through it, but I need you to do something really quick, because we can get in this mindset where we blame everything that has happened to us or everything that we've gone through on somebody else, on some other outside circumstance, on any, we just blame, 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 and for a moment, I need you to be willing to just embrace this mindset that maybe just maybe God has allowed you to go through something. Maybe it was in your past or maybe it's what you're going through right now. God has allowed you to go through it by his grace and his mercy to keep you from what could be coming next. Let me jump in. Ezekiel 14, 10 through 11. Let's start here. False prophets and those who seek their guidance will all be punished for their sins. You see that. False prophets, those that are led astray, or those that are astray, and those who seek them and follow them, those who are willing to follow the false prophets. He said, those who seek their guidance will all be punished for their sins. In this way, the people of Israel will learn not to stray from me, polluting themselves with sin. What was the purpose of the punishment to the false prophets and those that followed them? To teach them so that they would learn not to stray from the Lord. He said, I, I allowed them to be punished so they would learn not to stray from me, 
polluting themselves with sin, what was to come. They will be my people, and I will be their God. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. Then I wound up in Joel 1, 2 through 3. You need to know the context of the book of Joel. Background of the book of Joel is it is a response to a plague. How much more relevant can we get than right now? The prophet Joel came, and it was a response to the children of Israel going through a plague because of their rebellion, because of their sin, because of their rejection of God. So Joel, the prophet, comes along, and he says, you guys have gone through a plague. Now, let me give you spiritual insight to what God is trying to communicate. Joel 1, 2 through 3, listen to what he says. He says, hear this You leaders of the people, listen, all who have lived in the land. What is the response? He's saying, you have gone through a plague, and now here's what I need you to do. Hear and listen. What is God speaking to you right now? Hear it. Hear and listen. And then don't stop there. But then he says, in all your history, has anything like this happened before? I can't think of anything like it. Verse 3, tell your children about it in the years to come. And let your children tell their children. Pass the story down from generation to generation. In other words, he is saying, hear what God is trying to tell you through what he's allowing you by his grace and mercy to go through. Hear it, listen to him, and then learn from it. And pass it on and teach somebody about it. And then we'll go to Joel 2, 12 through 13. He says, that is why the Lord says, turn to me now while there is time. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Don't tear your clothing in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. What does he want? He wants your heart. He wants your heart. He's saying you've gone through this because I want more of your heart. Don't tear your clothes. Don't give me an offering. Give me your heart. Tear your heart. That's what I'm longing for. That's what I desire. And then he says, return to the Lord your God. For he is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with with unfailing love. Catch this. He is eager to relent and not punish. He is eager to pull back. He is eager not to punish. He wants your heart. He's desperate for your heart. And he may allow you by his grace and and his mercy to go through something to get a hold of your heart. But he is quick to relent. He is quick to pull back. He doesn't desire to punish. But he wants your heart more than he's willing to allow you to just go crazy. 2 Chronicles 7.14. I know you've seen this probably on social media and posted everywhere. And there's prayer movements named after it. Here it is. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins. And here you go. And restore their land. Why did their land need to be restored? Because it was destroyed. Why was it destroyed? Their wicked ways. Their rebellion. Their own pride. 
So God is saying, hey, if you will just be humble and you'll repent and you'll turn from your wickedness, I will forgive your sins and I will heal your land, but I need you to get this. I want your heart. Hebrews 12, 5 through 6. This is the last one I'll give you. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke? You realize this should be encouraging to our spirit. This here, we're talking about the Lord's punishment and what he may allow in our lives. This should be encouraging to us. He says, have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my children, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. And don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. What is God by his grace and his mercy allowed you or allowing you to go through to keep you from what is going to happen next? I'll give you an illustration. My, my daughter. Oh, I love my daughter. Y'all know she's my favorite. Don't tell my son. But she's just, I love her so much. And she, when she was little, we had this uh, candle, and it was this, it was a real waxy kind of uh, just fun, kind of almost like Play-Doh to mess with, and she'd scoop wax out of it, and she'd roll it into a ball, and we'd put it back in the candle, and then we'd have to burn the candle, you know, to get it all level out again. And so the candle was, it's a three-wick candle, it was this big jar, and it was sitting in the middle of our island, and it was burning. And all of a sudden, I hear Anna scream from the living room, Zion, no! And I mean, I, I'm thinking, well, she got a gun or something? Like, what is happening? I pop up, and I look, and Anna, Mama Bear, has like already rushed into action, right? Her cape has her flying into the living room, into the, into the kitchen, and she, just, and she slaps her hand out of the way. And she says, Zion, don't touch the candle. And then Zion comes up again, and she reaches for the, and Mama Bear again saves her, rescues her, slaps her hand away. Third time she comes up, reaches, oh, Mom, saves and, and I said, honey, I said, honey, come here. She says, no, no. I said, come here right now. So she comes over here by me, and I'm holding her back, and she's ready to jump into action. And Zion's sitting there piddling with that candle and looking at that candle. And sure enough, Zion reaches in. She puts her hand in, and she gets burned, and she pulls her hand back. And she looks over, and she says, I'm telling you, it's the line that steals my heart every time. She says, oh, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. Broken. I was like, oh man. And Anna was like, how could you? You're such a mean. Like, oh, come here, baby. I'll, I'll rescue you. Know I mean? And we treated the third degree burn wounds and everything else, you know. I mean? But then we, we watched and I, I said, watch her now. And she walked over to the candle and guess what she did? She didn't touch it, she didn't go near it. What happened? In my love and in my grace and in my mercy, for my daughter, I allowed her to touch something so that it would teach her to resist what could possibly come next. I didn't burn her. I didn't orchestrate or plan or prepare for her to get burned. 
but I allowed her to get burned because I know there will be a time in the future when I'm not there. And what if she's in the backyard? And what if the fire pit is going? And what if she's trying to make a s'more and the marshmallow falls off in the middle of the fire pit and she climbs up on the fire pit and falls into the, in the fire pit and is burned beyond recognition because I wasn't willing to allow her by my grace and by my mercy to go through something here to keep her from what could have happened next. What has God allowed you to go through by his grace and by his mercy to keep you, to protect you, to guard you from what could possibly happen next? So what do we do? Because I believe now we're finally at a place where we're saying, yes, okay, I can see it. I know I am. I am fully convinced God has led me through this season and seasons in my past, and he has allowed me by his grace and by his mercy to go through this to keep me from what was coming next. But what is that response that he is looking for? What does he want from me right now? Maybe you're sitting here and you're saying to yourself, I'm there. I can see it. Okay, I'll buy in. I can look back and I can see that God has allowed me to go through this by his grace and by his mercy. He's allowed me to go through this season because he wants to keep me from where this could end up. But what do I do right now? I'm so glad you asked. Ezekiel 11, 19 through 20. This is a future prophecy for the children of Israel, and it's a right now fulfillment for us. We have all of these in Jesus. We have a new spirit, a new heart, and new practices. It's Ezekiel eleven nineteen through 20. He says, I will give them integrity of heart and put a new spirit within them. I will remove their heart of stone from their bodies and give them a heart of flesh. So that they will follow my statues, keep my ordinances, and practice them. Here you go. They will be my people, and I will be their God. Three things. God wants from you. Three things God's desire is for you. You may be saying, I am going through it right now, and I don't know why, but I can see I'm willing to embrace the thought that God in his grace and in his mercy is allowing me to walk through this to prevent me from what could happen next. What do you want from me, God? I'm open. I'm ready. I'm willing to give it to you. I'm willing to offer it to you. The first is a new spirit. His desire for you during this thing that you're walking through or what you may have already walked through and didn't catch the message from is a new spirit. Ezekiel eleven nineteen. 19, he says, I will give them integrity of heart and put a new spirit within them. Listen to Titus 3, 3 through 6. Within the context of what we've been talking about right now about God, by his grace, by his mercy, allowing us to go through something to keep us from what could happen next. Listen to this, Titus 3, 3 through 6. Paul says, once we too were foolish and disobedient, we were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. There you go. He said, we were foolish 
We were disobedient. We were lustful. We were looking at things we shouldn't be looking at. We were, ple- we were seeking evil pleasures. We were doing things we shouldn't be doing. He said our lives were full of evil and envy and we hated each other. Verse 4, but. I told the 930, aren't you thankful for God's big old but? That's just bad preacher humor. That's all that is. It's terrible preacher humor. But when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love. and amazing? But by God's kindness and love, he saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. He's saying by the Spirit, by a new Spirit, God rescued us from our sin, from our rebellion, from our evil ways. And when we turn to Him, we got a new Spirit within us. You need to know there, there are two places this new spirit can go. You get a new spirit at salvation. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit, just as Paul wrote to us, comes into your life. It renews your life and gives you a new spirit. But there is also a renewed spirit that comes by repentance for the believer. So maybe you're in here and you don't know Jesus. And you're saying to yourself right now, God's speaking to me. I can see how he's bringing me through this season to bring me to him because he wants me. So I am going to receive a new spirit through Jesus. Or maybe you're a Christian and you're sitting in here today and you're saying, I can see how before this season I took God for granted. I didn't really care about the things of God. I didn't really do what God wanted me to do. Maybe you would go so far as to say, Titus 3, verse 3, I was foolish, I was disobedient, I was lustful, I just seeked the pleasures that I wanted. Maybe God has allowed you to go through this season by His grace and His mercy because He is drawing you back to Him so that you can renew your spirit for Him. Maybe that's what God is up to right now. I'll tell you, Ephesians 4, verse 30. Uh, And this has been a personal conviction of mine. You want to know personal conviction of Luke? Here it is. Ephesians 4, 30. He says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. What does that mean? That means we can grieve the Holy Spirit. That means we can live in a way that grieves him, that makes him remove his hand, remove his grace, remove his power, remove his leadership from us. He says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. I've always been. I want to be led by the Spirit. We're led by the, how many times have I said this to you? We're led by the Spirit. Don't be led by the world. We're led by the Spirit. The Spirit leads us. But I haven't taken a moment to say, what am I doing in my life that could be grieving the Holy Spirit? So that I may be living my life thinking I'm being led by the Spirit, but things in my life are grieving the Holy Spirit, which means I'm doing this on my own. Scary place to be. Let me give you an example. I, uh, and this was just me being a really bad husband. Every, every marriage has a phrase that you can say that you just know is going to start a fight, right? 
If you're married and you're in here, you're already thinking, yep, when they say this, it's on. Or when she says this to me, it's, you know, it's like the fight is on. We had a phrase like that in our marriage. I want to tell you, I asked my wife permission to share this phrase. And then after we had talked about it, she said, hey, you know, I recognize that you actually haven't said that in a really long time. And I'm oh, great. Now I'm really going to share it with the church, right? Now, now I'm really going to tell them about it. But we had this phrase, and again, this was just me being an immature, uh, bad husband. But we had this phrase that I knew I could say this phrase, and it would just erupt in a fight. It would just cause absolute chaos. And so uh, I'll paint a picture for you. There was a moment where um, I've asked Anna a million times, hey, when you're backing out of the driveway, just back out straight because when you cut it too soon, you run over my grass. And when you run over my grass, it leaves tire treads in the grass. It looks like someone's been riding a four-wheeler in the front yard, right? Will you just not cut it too tight and not run over the grass? And so there was this day it was just raining and pouring. And you're laughing because you know it's true. And there's just rain everywhere, just raining like crazy. And she backs out, and she was in a hurry, and she cut it real tight, and she just blazed tire trails through the yard. I mean, it looked like somebody drove a diesel truck through my yard. At least, at least that's how I felt, right? And my feelings are important in this moment. So I'm like, she destroyed it. And so she comes inside, and she tells me, she says, honey, I just need to let you know uh, I, I drove through the yard, and it looks pretty bad. This, this phrase reared up within me. It's this phrase, and, and I had this choice. I was like, I can be a good husband, and I can, you know, say I forgive you, and be calm, and be patient, and be gracious, and be loving, but the Lord was still working on me, so I decided to go with this phrase. You want the phrase? You want to know what it is? So I said to her, Welcome to Annaland, where we don't listen to anything, where I'm told not to drive through the grass a hundred times, but in Annaland, we do it anyway. Welcome to Annaland. Right? How well do you think that phrase worked for me? You know what happened? Exploded. Household exploded. We got in a huge argument over driving through the grass because I knew, I just had that, I knew, welcome to Adeland, right? Let me ask you something. Are you aware of the phrases, of the things that you can do in your life that can instantly grieve the Holy Spirit? That can instantly cause the Holy Spirit to pull back his leadership. I've never thought about this before. I've never thought, man, I grieved the Holy Spirit so long in my marriage because I would make these sarcastic phrases when I was frustrated. And then I'd walk around and say, I need to be spirit-led in my marriage. But my words were causing me to grieve the Spirit. So I was so challenging at first. What about for you? What are those phrases? What are you looking at? What are you talking about? How are you treating people that's causing you to grieve the spirit that desires to lead you? Ezekiel, the prophet, is saying God, by his grace and by his mercy, has walked, has allowed you to walk through this because he wants you to have a new spirit. And if you will embrace this new spirit, 
Spirit, I will be your God and you will be my people. Maybe God is just calling you through this season to quit grieving his desire to lead you. The second thing is a new heart. So understand this. We are led by the Spirit. We are anchored by our heart. Our heart anchors us. It is our foundation. Our heart anchors us. Our spirit leads us. So he says, I want you to have a new spirit that's leading you. And I want you to have a new heart that's anchoring you. Ezekiel 11 verse 19. I will remove their heart of stone from their bodies and give them a heart of flesh. What did Joel say? He said, give me your heart. Don't tear your clothes. Tear your heart. I want your heart. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. He wants to know your heart. He wants to know what is in your heart. Jesus says, Matthew 5, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. His desire for us is a new anchor that is not governed and not slowed down by sin, but is guided by the Spirit. He's saying, I want you to have a new heart. I want a new heart to come alive in you. I want your heart to be renewed. I want your heart to be refreshed. And I am allowing you by my grace and by my mercy to go through this so that it will keep you from what could come up next. Will you give me your heart? Can I have your heart back? Can I be the foundation of your life again? Can I be the one you find purpose in? Can I be the one you find hope in? Maybe before this coronavirus pandemic, maybe before you weren't taking God as seriously, maybe you weren't doing what God wanted you to do, maybe you weren't allowing the Spirit to lead you, but you were allowing something else to lead you, and your heart had gone astray, and He is saying, I've allowed you to go through this so that you will give me back your heart, and it will keep you from what could be coming Next, and then I love where we finish right here. A new practice. Ezekiel 11, verse 20. He says, so that they will follow my statues and keep my ordinances and practice them. They will be my people and I will be their God. James 2.26 says, For just as a human body without the spirit is a dead corpse, so faith without the expression of good works is dead. James is saying, if your faith ain't working, it ain't living. That's the Huntsville, Texas translation. If it ain't working, it ain't living. There's no life to it. He's saying it has to be practiced. You've got to practice these things. Should I go into the Iverson rant? Practice. We're talking about practice. You know about practice. You guys are looking at me like you hadn't seen that. You need to Google or YouTube that press conference where Iverson says practice like 37 times. That's what James is saying here. You need to practice. These things should be practiced. They should be part of your life. You need a new spirit, a new heart, and new practices. Maybe God is leading you or allowing you to go through this because his desire for you is to start 
doing things differently. Maybe he's just discerning enough to know that if you don't learn it right now, what's to come will be worse. He's trying to teach you. He's trying to speak to you. He's trying to call you to a place of ownership and a place of new spirit, a place of new heart, a place of new practice so that you can come out of this and say, this has actually helped me. Let me get just real personal for a moment. I'll just confess to you, uh, last five months have been an incredibly difficult season for me. And you know what's ironic is, and I'll show you why it's been difficult. It's been difficult because of this right here. It's driven me crazy. And not only is it this, but it's a constant reminder of the frustration and the challenges of this season. And now I finally realize that, hey, because for me, a, a boiling reaction, a boiling flesh reaction for me under the surface is anger. I just, I get frustrated, I get annoyed, I can blow up and get mad and everything else. And I've, I've tried to work on that. And I'll tell you, I don't know of many things this past five months that have, have given me more of an opportunity to be angry, to be frustrated, and to be annoyed than this season of a pandemic. And I have finally come to a place where I realize, God, I see what you're trying to do in me. You're trying to bring me to a new spirit where I'm led by something other than just fleshly getting angry. You're trying to do a new heart in me where you're trying to rid me of any anger, any frustration, and any annoyance. And Lord, you are trying to get me to a place of practice where I will practice being gracious, where I will practice being merciful, where I will practice being peaceful instead of allowing something in me to just get a little frustrated. His desire is practice. I'll, I'll end here. Uh, a couple weeks ago, it wasn't this last one, but it was the one before that, a, a hurricane had hit, and it, it wasn't too bad rain-wise, but it knocked our power out. And when our power went out, I went running through our house. I mean, what do you do? You try to find the flashlights, and I got all the flashlights that we had, put them on the island, and none of them worked. They were all dead, of course. Right? So then I actually found uh, some batteries, and these batteries, they were these 10-year lithium-ion double-A batteries. And I read on the package, and I thought this was ironic. It said, these batteries will last up to 10 years with regular use. Do you know something? You know, batteries last longer the more you use them. They go dead if you just leave them sitting dormant. But if you will use them and you will put them into use, they last longer. You get more life out of them. What is God trying to get you to put into practice to bring life into your life again that has previously been dead? Maybe he's bringing you through something so that you'll develop a new spirit. You'll have a new heart. And you'll start practicing what it is you know you should be practicing. And then what does he say? They will be my people, and I will be their God. Hey everybody, thanks again for joining us. We believe God has something great for your life, and we hope this message encourages you to take the next step in your faith.